Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you're listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, everybody, settle down, settle down. That's enough, that's enough, that's enough. I know you guys are all super excited, you're super pumped. Everybody's got those Arsenio Hall <laughs> pumps going on out there. If this is your first time, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel. I'm the CEO of Woodshed Agency. What do we do? Well, we specialize in crowdfunding, uh, reward-based, equity-based. We also do a lot of e-commerce. Uh, we're a marketing agency, right, that... That, that plays in the startup land. So that's what we do here. And this is our podcast. It's called Successfully Funded. We've done a lot of episodes. Um, and we talk to project creators who are either in the middle of a campaign or their campaign just ended up. That way you are getting the most up-to-date information about what is going on out there in the crowdfunding space, you know, uh, which is a, it's a relatively small space, but a vibrant space, you know? So that is what we do. So on today's episode, uh, I've got one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. You know, in the last three years of doing interviews, um, I, I get to talk to Evie from the uh, from the Kickstarter campaign, the Book of Cultures, and I don't think that there is a more appropriate time for a book um, than what's happening right now in the world. Um, and this conversation is going to be absolutely inspiring to listen to. Um, so I do want to make sure all of you guys, if you got to this point. Please stay tuned. If you need to fast forward through my ranting, just fast forward. Get to the get to the meat of this of this episode because um, this is a company that had to uh, pivot. They had to make changes, and they ended up putting out a Kickstarter campaign on for a kids book um, that raised over one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. But more importantly, they had over thirty three hundred backers. In fact, three thousand three hundred thirty five backers to be to- uh, to be exact. That's a lot of backers, and you know. You know, talking a little bit about what is the temperature in America right now, and as I'm recording this, I mean, it is, uh, I definitely didn't go out and protest or anything like that this week, um, but I'm exhausted. Uh, Opening my phone and opening any social media channel, it is just bombarding of how sad a lot of stuff is right now. And, 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 and this interview that's coming up, it's so inspiring. It really is. It's about, you know, maybe we can get to a point where, you know, we're appreciative of all cultures. We're, 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 we know we appreciate everybody. Um, because I mean, truly, I, I mean, uh, when I'm sitting here, I don't, I don't know what is this America? Where do I live right now? I mean, that's one thing I just, where do I live right now? What, what, where am I? <laughs> like, um, you know, I don't know if any of you else out there feel like that, but that is the question I just kind of keep asking is how did I get here? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. What a weekend. Oof. And I think it's going to keep continuing too. So, and rightfully so, but what a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. So what else is going on over here at one wins away? Well, we want to buy a house. <laughs> That's one thing we we're trying to navigate that whole part of stuff um, in this chaotic time. But man, we need to make some make some moves. Um, so we're just kind of getting all our ducks in a row and trying to find a new one. Wenzel way, and I don't know where that is right now. That 
we're kind of all over the place. I know I keep opening my mouth and talking about stuff. We talked about potentially moving with my mom. We talked about buying the house we're in right now that we rent and then fixing that up and selling that. And, you know, when all the dust is settling, it's come down to like, we just got to go find a house that we want and live somewhere. But I'd say that the big challenge is just, you know, you know, everywhere else I look, you know, so I, we live in like a downtown, really nice suburb of, of, of Detroit. It's called Farmington. You know, a house here is like, you know, uh, like our house is like a $200,000 house and it's tiny. We have no basement. We have nothing. It's so tiny. And I keep looking at like, you know, living out in the middle of a little bit of nowhere, right? Like, you know, out more in the uh, woodland and it's like, man, 200 grand gets you a mansion. It's like, geez, oh, peace, what, what, <laughs> you know, so looking at this bang for the buck here type of stuff and man, I'm not seeing it where I live right now. So it is, um. It's a part of the conversation, part of the narrative. So we definitely, this week, we're going to officially get all of our paperwork and ducks in a row and just get ready to, at any moment, to, you know, to jump if we see something that we like. Because uh, in the past, every time we, we see something, it seems like, uh, um, it seems like it's not really the, not really, uh, we're not really ready yet. So we're going to try to fix up that this week. So that's a big, big goal. Um Another big thing we're doing is we're jumping into the board game world. That's right. I just brought on a new um, um, partner. Uh, his name is Mike Hell. He's from Poland, and he is going to be helping us navigate the board game world for crowdfunding. So if you're not familiar, board games are a huge, huge industry in the Kickstarter space, one that we have not uh, dabbled with since um, we had our kerfluffle up with the front page of Reddit because of a board game. If you guys are interested in that, you can go over to our Medium right now and go to medium uh search for me fuzzy ones you can find the story it's it's our most popular thing we've ever wrote um and uh but we want to get back into board games we want to try so we brought on michael um and he is going to be helping us sort of navigate that world he's done a bunch of his own campaigns um and uh we're super super excited about that uh, another thing going on is tomorrow night if you guys are interested uh shoot me a message jeff at woodshed.agency but i'm going to be hosting uh our innovate farmington meetup uh, tomorrow night's going to be on zoom again. Cause we're still not meeting face to face or anything like that, but I'm going to be, uh, you're, you're going to have a chance to be a fly on the wall and watch me build Facebook ads. That's right. I'm going to be building out one of our bigger clients accounts. Um, kind of doing a little bit of a refresh, you know, we're shaking it up a little bit. We want to kind of get some new content out into the world. Um, so I'm going to be redoing some Facebook ads. So I'm going to kind of walk through that whole process. Um, and if you guys are interested, you can join on Zoom and kind of watch that happen. So that starts at 6.30 tomorrow night. Um, so again, if you're interested in joining, jeff at woodshed.agency, I'll get you the Zoom link. And that way you can uh, you can join. Um, so I wanted to end uh, my intro today with something I read um, the other day from this book about retargeting Facebook ads, right? So I want to talk a little bit about marketing in general, kind of a kind of a little bit of a things to be thinking about. So in regards to like talking about Facebook ads and, and, and how people and why people buy something, I think this is an important thing that I'm going to read here in just a moment that everybody should be thinking about um, when they're exploring kind of launching a product, like getting into that world, right? Like starting to, hey, I want somebody to buy something, right? And then start thinking about the, um, w- you know, what it really takes, right? And thinking about this and how you're creative, is impacted by what I'm about, about to read. Your budgets are impacted. But let me let me go ahead and read this here real quick. So this is the 20 things that happen before somebody buys something, right? So the first one, the first time a man looks at an advertisement, he does not see it. 
The second time, he does not notice it. The third time, he is conscious of its existence. The fourth time, he faintly remembers having seen it before. The fifth time, he reads it. The sixth time, he turns up his nose at it. The seventh time, he reads it through and says, Ah, oh, brother. The eighth time, he says, Here's that confounded thing again. The ninth time, he wonders if it amounts to anything. The tenth time, he asks his neighbor if he has tried it. The eleventh time, he asks his neighbor, uh, excuse me, the eleventh time, he wonders how the advertiser makes it pay. The twelfth time, he, he thinks it must be a good thing. The thirteenth time, he thinks perhaps it might be worth something. The fourteenth time, he remembers wanting such a thing a long time ago. The fifteenth, the fifteenth time, he is tantalized because he cannot afford to buy it right now. On the sixteenth time, he thinks he will buy it someday. Seventeen, he makes a memorandum to buy it. Eighteen, he swears at his poverty. He's so mad at himself at that point. The nineteenth time, he counts his money carefully, and the twentieth time, he sees the ad. He buys what is offering. Does that ring true for anybody else out there? So whenever I hear somebody going, can we go viral? Or somebody's just going to see it and want it. Or my thing is so special. This is how everybody's mind's working. I know my mind works this way. And I'm sure when you were listening through this, you go, yeah, I probably have done a little bit of that too. Now, maybe it's not all 20. Maybe it's 14 times. Maybe it's uh, 10 times. Maybe it's 26 times. The point of me reading that is that's marketing. You got to be persistent. You've got to have a budget to do what I'm talking about right there, making sure people keep seeing it, multiple different channels. You really got to put in the work. And then hopefully at that point, it is something special that somebody goes, man, I really dig this thing. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I I read that the other day and I just thought, man, this is something that I've got to keep sharing because it is spot on. So um, all right, everybody. So like I said, this conversation with Evie is going to be just fantastic. I'm really glad you guys have got to this point and you guys are going to listen. Um, again, if you are thinking about running a campaign, go over to woodshed.agency right now, hit the backslash consultation button. You can pick a 20 minute time with me. Um, also you'll see up there, I've been starting to put the review shows up. We've been, uh, cut, um, recording those. Um, throughout the weeks as well. So that content's starting to go up. So if you want to see me kind of deep dive and review uh, people's campaign pages, you can go there. You can obviously make sure you're a subscriber to the podcast, hit the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your episodes, hit the subscribe button, leave us a review. All that stuff is super, super helpful. Um, and I want to make a point out too that the song we're listening to today, it's um, a song we wrote called When the, when the Walls. Um, uh, oh, geez, so peace. Um, so the song is called When the Walls Came Down. And this was actually something uh, I wrote around the, um, uh, the the Katrina. We're just being so impacted there. And I thought that a lot of the content might still actually, um, th- that we wrote, might make sense today. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed the song. And we're going to play the whole version at the end of it if you want to listen to it. But yeah, go to, go listen to this interview, The Book of Cultures. And um, I'll talk to you guys all later in the week here. Top of the biggest bridge, hoping that someone will come. The water smells of death and sewage. Lots of is overthrown. In my mind, there's thoughts of suicide. The number seems to linger. All right. There it is. Red lights on. Do you see it? Do you, yes, do you, I Do you feel see. the pressure now? I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. Okay, Let's I go. understand. 
Well, let's start with a first question. Mm -hmm. What'd you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, uh, I had granola and then coffee, of course. Okay. Anything fancy in that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're ready to go for this. I am ready to go. Uh, anything fancy in that granola? Just some plain granola? You put any, any milk? Okay. Yeah. Milk. Does that make it more exciting? I don't know if it makes it that more exciting, but uh, you know, my listeners, I, I've asked that question now. Uh, I think this will be episode 190. So I've asked that question 190 times. So, oh, wow. What was uh, the most know, interesting breakfast response you got? Uh, there isn't really any, anything is, uh, I'm more shocked about the amount of people who are fasting right now. Like, okay. ev- like everybody's like, Oh, I, I don't eat breakfast. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So yeah, not a lot of people like the breakfast. They're all fasting right now. So that's, that's been more of the shocker. My other shocker one was that I actually interviewed somebody who kickstarted a breakfast uh, product. So Ooh, I figured that she would, that was- she would respond with her stuff. And she's like, no, I didn't eat it. It wasn't like, ready yet. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So you get some interesting questions there, uh, or some interesting answers for sure. But, um, well, l- why don't we actually get to why uh, people might be listening? Uh, <laughs> what we're actually here to talk about. So, why don't you do me a favor? Introduce yourself, and if you could tell people what you uh, uh, raised money for over on Kickstarter. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm Evie uh, from Worldwide Buddies. We create educational picture books and toys uh, that celebrate diversity. We've been doing this for two years now. Uh, And our uh, Kickstarter project was a picture book called The Book of Cultures. So it's a 120-page picture book for young readers to discover the world and embrace diversity. Uh, The book includes 30 short stories. Um, Every short story is on a different culture, uh, follows a different character or what we like to call buddy from a different country. Mm. So... um, 300 to 400 word uh, short story that uh, follows around the character. The concept is that, you know, like um, the themes or the character's fears and dreams are universal and relatable to every child. But then each story is like um, culturally embedded um, in a different country. So like you can learn more about like different traditions, different ways of living and being like um, Mm. and whatnot. And then, yeah, like there's a one-page illustration on each country and then like a, a two-page activity sheet. So like... Um, That's cool. Yeah, like some more like exercises and puzzles that bring each culture to life. That's cool. What, what kind of age range are we talking is, is uh, like your reader for this? Um, so I, I, I like to think that like a, a good children's story uh, is applicable, you know, across the board, even like uh, people that are 80 years old can read it, especially mm. since it has the educational element of like learning about different countries. But I'd say you can start uh, from the age of three uh, for the stories, then activities uh, render themselves well for um, maybe like slightly older children, so like five plus, but we okay. it's a three plus book. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. So where's like the inspiration for this? How, how did you start working on a, a book of cultures? Uh, so I, I guess the inspiration for like Worldwide Buddies is something that's been brewing for the past 10 years now, maybe. Uh, like mm. I, when I moved from like Cyprus to London to study and I, I, did, like, I studied geography and anthropology. So I was like really intrigued about, you know, like how many different perspectives and diverse realities there are in the world and how like children are never exposed to them um and how we like um 
come to the world at the age of 20 with a very uh, static idea of how things should be. Um, so I started becoming more interested in education and how we can like create stories um, for readers to learn more about the world, especially since, you know, like children, uh, children's minds are still not, you know, like fully formed. They're, they're ready to take in any idea as it right. is. They haven't like, you know, developed that concept of stereotypes or rules. And then we give them all these like uh, stories of like magic carpets can fly. And like, I, I don't know, mm-hmm. like probably at the age of 20, I thought that the idea of like a magic carpet flying was way more believable than like, people eating with their hands or like people having all these different traditions. So I think um, that's how it started of like, how can we give them like uh, literature that will like transport them to different parts of the world and help them become more um, culturally aware and open-minded. And I think like um, I ended up like doing my master's in education and creative writing and like did my thesis around uh, a similar concept of worldwide bodies and like creating like this sort of literature, tabled it for some time and then um, came back to it a couple of years ago, ended up talking with a friend who told me you should talk to my sister who's an illustrator. We, and yeah, one thing led to another, we created our first picture book, which was on Mexico. Um, we created two collections of, on specific cultures. So like one on Mexico and one on China. And that's like a, longer form picture book on Mexico, longer form picture book on China, and then some like additional toys around there. But then we kept getting lots of requests from people about like, um, we would like more countries. Uh, we would like mm. more, um, what about this country? What about that country? Right, right. And um, I think we, we came to realize, um, they, they, um, we came to realize that also the, the people that were purchasing our products we wanted them to learn about the world, but it was usually like expats from Mexico or people who were about to travel mm. to Mexico or people whose like uh, grandma was from Mexico, right? Mm. So we're like, this is right. not the exact point. The point is for like uh, children to learn about places they would not have learned about otherwise. Right. Um, but then we realized that, you know, like the proposition of telling you like um, spend $50 to learn about like a random country that you haven't heard of before that you have no connection to might be a bit of a stretch. While if we have like one book that has like 30 countries inside, um, then it becomes a more interesting proposition for a buyer where it's like, oh yeah, like a, it's appealing. You can learn about different countries. Mm. Like it justifies the cause more. Um, sure, so we went from creating specific collections to like this one book. Of, yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. So when you kind of put that all together of like what you can visualize this, this product looking like, or this book looking like, um, what starts your process? Like, how do you start to, you know, get these stories together, pick the countries, like what, what starts happening for you guys? So, um, we, you obviously can't capture like a story of a country in like 300 uh, words. Right. Uh, so we, (laughs) or the world, right. Uh, so we, we said like, let's, let's take it from, you know, like, um, let's try to be as accurate as possible. That's uh, possible. But so we said like, let's, um, divide the world into continents, um, and then see like a population of each continent. So like there is like, there are stories on each continent and then like the continents that have like a larger population. So let's say Asia will have a few more stories on them. So like seven stories on Asia versus five on Europe. Um, then right. from there, we said, okay, like we won't be choosing countries that are like 
close to each other and share traditions and histories. So like, let's try to have countries from each continent that are like as diverse as possible. Um, but then also at the same time, we said, because we wanted to uh, be as accurate as possible or be able to speak to that culture as much as we can, like, let's also choose countries that we've visited or that we know more about. Mm. Um, then from there, we we started reaching out to our friends, like where are our friends from, like um, which countries can they help us with? So that was like the first process. Um, we came up with a list and then we started reaching out to people, um, first friends, family, acquaintances from those cultures. Then like we started like asking them to introduce us to other people or reached out to organizations so that we can get as much um, information as possible from different people from that culture, like sure. um, you know, the different like um, demographics of each culture to again get mm-hmm. like a story that speaks to a big part of that population. So there's right. like, it's a multi-step process, let's say. So we, yeah, yeah. we get information from them, come up with some story ideas. Um, and there's lots of back and forth of like, Hey, like what do you think about this concept? And then we <laughs> write a story. What do you think about this story? Do you think it's like right. speaks well to your country? Would you give it to a child, you know, like your, <laughs> the kid of your colleague, if you wanted them to <laughs> right. teach, um, to teach them about your culture. Um, sure. Yeah, so it's multi-step process, trying to be as accurate as possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. How, how, like, how long is that process from this sort of collecting to like putting together maybe a first draft of something of like trying to put all these collections together into something to actually like see flow and like, like how long is that process? Um, I, I mean, in terms of hours, maybe it's like, let's say one or two weeks, but because there's a lot of back and forth, it obviously becomes mm-hmm. more of like a one to two month process for each culture uh, where you don't work on it all the time. But um, yeah, I think that it's like the first reaching out, conducting a few interviews that might take a few days. Um, I come up with like a story idea. I show it to Nakeli, who's who does all the illustrations and she's like a head of design. Mm-hmm. And she we'll work on it together give each other feedback. She'll create some drawings on it. Um, we'll send it back to them. Uh, they give us their feedback and then there's, yeah, right. this back and forth. So I guess like through that whole process, what would be something that you could think of that w- was keeping you up at night? Like, what's the thing that you're like, you know, Oh, I really want to make sure I do this. Like, is there something that's like eating at you a little bit? <laughs> Every night, a very <laughs> different thing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's one that you could be um, like oh it's this one. i i think for me um as a writer i think it's like a is it um is it accurate enough and then b is it imaginative enough and i think sometimes the two tend to clash so it's finding mm-hmm. that balance between it's educational it's accurate but then there's also some like um fictional imaginative element to it. I think that balance is for Mm. me the hardest to strike. Um, And I think for the illustrations, I can't speak for Nefeli, but I think she also is trying to be, you know, like as accurate as possible to like the image images of that culture, but then add her own like touch to it. Mm. Right. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I can see that this project would have to walk 
well, maybe not a fine line, but at least walk a line between these, you know, not so much stereotyping an entire country, exactly. and, you know, and, but yet still representing it to a degree that you would be, I guess, proud to share or it exactly. had that touch of education to it. It feels like, yeah, that, that those are some tight ropes you're walking there. Yeah, exactly. You're, yeah, I, for sure. And I think like that's, that's one of the reasons we have the concept of like every culture follows a specific character so that mm. it gives you the idea of like, we're not saying that everyone does this. There's like, right. it's one right. specific character from that culture, which makes it a bit more personal and allows some room for, you know, character development and like a fictional plot development. Uh, but then also it's, for us, it's, you know, like, again, it's not even an introduction to that culture. It's like um, a first step towards uh, helping kids become more curious about that country, feel that they're more familiar with an aspect of that country, uh, feel that they would want to like meet someone from that culture, right. read more about it and whatnot. You know, you might be the perfect person to ask this because um, this is something that I've been discussing quite a bit since quarantine, since we're all, you know, locked away. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm watching my son, you know, he's nine, uh, my daughter's six. They're constantly now on roadblocks and are these like community building things online. So they're meeting people globally all over the place, you know, and I, I can see, you know, I have clients globally and our, our people have connected. So do you think that the, our children are moving towards this glo- more of a global society where they just, they don't like just because you're in China, I, I, it doesn't matter to me. We're on the internet at the same time talking. So like we're playing the game together. It's so, like, do you think that there's going to be this shift of like, it's not like how I grew up in a small farm town. I didn't see anybody. Right? I, I mean, nobody in my life. Right. So <laughs> I'm the guy who comes out at like 18 going, Whoa, there's a whole world here. What, you know, what is going on here? You know? Um, but like, I don't know if my kids are going to grow up like that. Do you see like your book, could potentially being sort of a, a, a something that like, you know, again, my nine-year-old looks at and goes, oh yeah, I have friends from Italy. I have friends from, what are you talking <laughs> That's about? That's awesome. I, You're like, where, where, you, where did you meet them? I never took you there. Right. I was on Discord. We're, we were on Discord. I was playing a video game with them. I don't, what are you talking about? So like, I wonder if they like, you know, I, if they'll think differently about this when, you know, 10 years from now, you know, I don't know. I I think and hope so. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, but obviously, you know, like even with like what's going on, I think like someone asked me was like, oh, do you think that like uh, everyone will return back to, you know, like national borders after the whole school pandemic mm-hmm. and whatnot? And I was like, no, I mean, it's a like what's going on. It's just more of a proof of like the planet's problems are more universal than ever. And like <laughs> right. we're connected yeah. to people from all ends of the planet. Um Right. In so many important ways, but also, you know, what you're talking about, like how like this shift to online and even all these like companies talking about like remote work, hiring people from different places now. Like I think they interact like the day to day practical interactions with people from around the world will become more real. And it's not even a matter of you uh, making an effort to meet people from other places. I think it's a it's going to be more of a it's going to be hard not to meet someone from another right, place, especially yeah. if everything's moving online. Right. Um, and like there are all these yep. new ways of creating communities that are way right. stronger than, you know, the neighborhood community that we used to know. Yeah. So maybe at that point is where this, uh, 
empathy for other cultures or this, exactly. you know, just under, you know, just a, you know, if again, it, I mean, we're thinking about hiring a guy for our company from Poland just because, Hey, he fits the bill. He's from Poland. I, you know, he's a few hours ahead of us in time zone, but he does the work. I don't, whatever, but like, there's probably culture things that I'm not aware of. Cause I've never been to Poland. I've never, you know, I don't know, you know, but like, as long as like for us as a, as a company, as long as he does the work. Exactly. No. And I think what you come cares, to yeah. realize when meeting people like him, it's like the big barrier when meeting someone from a different culture, especially if, like the more the different like religious or whatnot, the differences mm. are like the first concept is like, Oh, like, uh, you look different or like um it seems that you have a different lifestyle and like i think the first introduction might be the one where you feel that oh that that sounds strange but i think when you start meeting people and like really you know like um connecting with them you you realize how more similar we are than we think you know like yeah, it's not that different, you know. Yeah, like, just trying to trying to be a good dad. Exactly. Eating good food. I mean, it's not that exactly. Ridiculous. It's exactly. not that crazy. The things that <laughs> yeah. make us happy. You know, it yeah. might not be this type of right. food. It might be a different one, but it's still like right. concept of sitting yeah. at the table and ha- sharing a meal with my family right. or whatnot. There is some right, right. universal aspect that I think yeah, you you can't uh, debate that humans have. Sure. Yeah. Let's, 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 uh, we just went on maybe a little tangent there. We went a little off road in there for a minute, but, uh, so when in your process of all this does Kickstarter start to kind of enter into the equation of, Hey, we should try crowdfunding for this thing that we're putting together. Um, so we when like when, when we started, everything was like bootstrapped again. I was, uh, me and Nefeli working on creating these books and toys, uh, never got outside investment. So it was just like, one step leading to the next. Uh, we always knew that we would need some sort of boost at some point. Uh, we felt that, you know, like traditional investment that didn't really fit the concept of our company, especially since it's not uh, tech tech powered. Right. Um, and uh, we felt that, you know, like a crowdfunding campaign would really be a great way for us to like connect with customers, especially since um, connect with customers and whatnot. Um, I think we, there was definitely a, a phase where we were thinking of crowdfunding for our collection on China. And then we felt that that collection might be more suitable for a specific demographic rather than a universal product. So mm-hmm. um, I guess the idea was that like, I think we have a product that could be loved by uh, lots of people from around the world, uh, people that are more like forward looking and are looking on places like Kickstarter or like crowdfunding right. campaigns for uh, um, innovative new products. I think it was a product fit more than timing. Right. Or like, okay, this gotcha. is a good product for Kickstarter. Okay. What, um, like, how far did you want to take that, the book before you? you know, started putting together the page, like, like how much of it did you want to have done? What were you trying to make sure like, Hey, we at least have 90%, 50% or the idea, whatever. Yeah. I think that's, that's a def- definitely an interesting question. I think like every creator you talk to, the answer is going to be different and it will always mm-hmm. depend on your product, how much, you know, like your supply chain and whatnot. Um, for us, like we knew we already have like part, like we're working, we know the factories that we're working with. So there was, we knew that we can 
manufacture in a specific set of time and there were not many unknowns around that. The biggest um, element was like creating the book. In the beginning, we thought we would create everything and then go to Kickstarter. Then we thought it's going to be very time consuming. And maybe it's also better if we put it out there and get some feedback before we finish it up. So let's, let's say not have all 30 countries chosen and like leave some room for like um, what customers would like to see and whatnot. Mm. So we, we created, we, we set up like all of our like network with people that we would talk to. We conducted all our interviews from different countries and whatnot. Um, we created some of the stories, but not all of them. And then at some point we felt, you know, we're in a good phase. We know how our timelines will, will work since we've created some of the stories. Um, we're confident that we can like um, launch the campaign. And if it's successful, then we know how, how much time we need for the rest. So I think it's mm. launch the campaign once you, you're certain about the timeline you can prompt. Um, doesn't matter right. which stage your product is in, just a stage where you're certain about your timeline. That's my gotcha. Gotcha. take on it. And then, and then from there, did you start moving into any sort of like pre-launch of the Kickstarter? Was there something that you were doing to, you know, to start driving some interest or, I mean, it sounds like you potentially have some other customers from the other products, right? We did. So or we definitely leveraged like our previous customer list. Uh, we also conducted interviews with them before we uh, decided mm -hmm. on the book of culture, just to see if there was like an interest there. We launched like Facebook ads on um, just to collect emails, um, which was helpful just to see, you know, like another validation. Okay. Like there is demand for this. Um, we had also reached out, we, we had also reached out to our, like the retailers that we already work with and some of the schools mm -hmm. that we have worked with, because we felt this would be a very, like, it would be a campaign driven by our partners. Um, mm -hmm. that was a bit unfortunate because we, we got a lot of interest from them, but when the campaign launched, like it was when like, uh, the whole world went into lockdown. <laughs> so it was very difficult to go back then and be like, Hey, back this. Hey guys. <laughs> you need yeah. this for your school. You know, <laughs> like you need right, this for right. your shop that's closed right now. So it, and <laughs> right, that, right. that, that was a bit of like, um, it was turned on its head, our plan around that, but sure. we definitely, um, tried to like reach out to all of our contacts, um, all of our customers beforehand to like, um, see the interest and like get a confirmation of, yeah, this is a good product. It's ready. Let's do it. And was there any sort of maybe like an internal metric that, you know, outside of validation, but was there like a number that you were trying to hit or anything like that? Cause sometimes people say like, Hey, I want to hit a thousand emails, 5,000. Like, was there something that you internally were like, you know, we really want to make sure we're hitting this before or we was launch? it just um, yeah, before you launched. To be honest, no, I think we we were too deep into it to say, okay, we didn't get like the response we needed. We're pausing it. Forget the video. Right. Forget the month we yeah. spent building that page. Um, but I think I think you you kind of know, you know, like if you launch a phase, Facebook ad and like you get no emails. Then you know if like you can see like that the the cost per acquisition for like an email is around like it's is reasonable. Um, then you know that there's something there. Um, so, we, but we didn't have an internal number of let's say we need to get a hundred emails before right. we launch. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let's, let's flip over because we actually haven't even talked about some of the numbers on the Kickstarter. We'll talk kind of Kickstarter specific right now, but um, you know, so you guys had a goal of about 20 grand and you crushed that raising about 164,000 with, but the number that sticks out to me is the over 3000 backers. I mean, three, 3,335 backers. That's a lot of books um, <laughs> that are going out. So that is, that is a, that's a huge number. And even in the children's book in general, I mean, this, these are just, these are like grand slam unicorn numbers in children's books, right? It's just, that's a challenging thing to crowdfund typically. So what was sort of the sense of, um, you know, when the campaigns launched and you're starting to see some success, what was kind of the energy like for the, for your team, for you guys? Like how did it, what, what was going on behind the scenes? Uh, interesting. So we, what we did, uh, which I would recommend, um, to other creators to do it as well was like we we had our um, internal goals so we said like you know no matter what happens like things are gonna go crazy but we're gonna have our internal goals when we hit 5k we do a happy dance when we hit like 10k <laughs> we do this and whatnot just so that we like know that we also like that the process is also exciting during like crowdfunding right. for us as well um which was like those are moments I think I always cherish where we're like, yes, we hit that. Like, let's get mm-hmm. on a call with everyone and celebrate that. So celebrate your little wins, right? Um, I think what was interesting was that like uh, the first two days, we focused extensively on network outreach, like um, reaching out to all our customers or our email list um, or all our network, asking to share and whatnot. So in the beginning, it was just like race to get to the 20K um in like one to two days, um, mm-hmm. get that number up and then start doing like um, those like initiatives that are more longer term. So we did that during the first two days. And again, we were so lucky because we launched the campaign 10th of March. I think like mm. most of the world went on lockdown 12th of March. I think if we launched it two <laughs> yeah. days later, we would not feel comfortable sending out a single email yeah. as it was like an unlucky, lucky type of situation there. <laughs> We did that, but then I think after that, there was definitely a week where we had no idea what was happening because everyone mm. was in panic. We The next plan was to start reaching out to the bigger accounts, schools, retailers. We paused all of that. We had like events, paused. So then mm-hmm. we had to go back to the drawing table and we're like, okay, we reached our goal, but what happens now? Is it is it is it done? <laughs> Will right, we get any right. back here? Um, so then we went back and like started thinking, okay, let's like, think of creative ways on where we can like revamp this. Um, and we, we thought of some initiatives. We launched some like um, stay at home activities for parents um, mm. who are just uh, switching to homeschooling. So we started like setting up this, like um, we set up a landing page where people could like add their email and we would send them the activity kits. We like also put that in our Kickstarter update. We did mm. a lot of, you know, like, um, online readings and talks versus like the physical like things we had planned um and like different initiatives to like um engage with the parent community in different ways so i think that really helped to get us back on track um what was really interesting was that we i said like we are prediction was that these would be a campaign driven by retailers and schools. And if you look at the different reward levels, I think that was like definitely not the case of what happened, but it was, it was good in the sense that we, we ended up finding ways to engage with like parents themselves. Um, right. It was a, a pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything um, outside of that, that really kind of, 
I don't know, blew your hair back a little bit. Like, wow, I did not expect this country to be, you know, as, as supportive. Or was there something like a statistic um, that you were like, did I, not expect that? Actually, it was, a, it was a very, very nice metric was that like we had like backers from, if I'm not mistaken, 64 countries, which is almost like a perfect third wow. of like countries of the world, right? So it was like, it's a great metric for this specific project, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that was a pleasant surprise. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the top five countries were all the English-speaking countries, but we did right. get backers from um, different countries um, that where English is not the first language. We obviously had a lot of interest in translations, um, mm. which is something that we obviously can't offer right now, but I guess it's right. understandable. Um, I think that the biggest surprise for me is how engaged Kickstarter community is. Like, this is the first time we've like engaged and talked to like potential customers so much. And like, right. I don't know, like every conversation is just an eye opener, like a validation for your product, like a, a thought just for you to like keep down the lines. I think that that was my my biggest thing about this Kickstarter campaign, how engaging the community is and how much we got to right. engage with our bikers. Yeah, I, I that's one of the biggest things I tell project creators that want to work on this is it, the money's nice, all this, but you're underestimating this yeah. internal support that you're just not thinking about right now. But you may get ideas for other products. You may get Definitely. little, oh my gosh, I didn't even think, you know, just these little <laughs> things could just be a quick comment from somebody. And Definitely. most of the time it's all in your best interest. Like it's oh, not, yeah. you know, yeah, you'll have a couple of trolls. They always, everything exists, but like, but you know, though, but most of it's all pleasant for you to know, right? Like you need to yeah. be engaged with how people are reacting and responding to your product. Uh, but even like our, our stretch goals, like uh, most of them were inspired by the comments we got and the feedback we mm-hmm. got, which was right. nice. So, you know, one of the things, that, I mean, everything you're mentioning right now is um, uh, how adaptable you were. Pivoting, changing, not getting stuck <laughs> yeah, in, in a plan, right? Part. I mean, you know, but I'm, I, I want to acknowledge that because we have, a, again, anything that we've had that hasn't worked out well or failed has been project creators not willing to pivot, not willing to listen to the data, not like being yeah. stuck in like, I know this is what we have to do. Yeah. So is that just something that you think is just a project creator? Like this is who you are as a person, or is this something that your company is built on? Like, listen, we're taking what's coming at us and we're, you know, we're, we're shifting and pivoting and doing what's best and still having success in it. We're very, very open to like feedback. Sometimes a bit too open, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah, this time it definitely helped us. Um, and I think uh, we we slowly started becoming better on like we take in all the comments, we we evaluate them. Um, no, no piece of feedback is good or bad enough. Feedback we always like take it into consideration. And then we take a step back and like try to measure it um, with what we have and what we're working on and see where it fits. But I think you definitely need to be open to ideas and like criticism um, and like figure out a mod, like a formula that works for you where like I'm taking in criticism and this is how I decide whether it's a good piece of criticism for my uh, product or not. Right. Um, right. but yeah, there's, that's definitely something that we're, our company is built on. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's a powerful thing because it, it, you guys could have just also thrown in the towel and just said, Oh, well, what are you going to do? Just, just stop. You know, I mean, that could have been the scenario too, right? Right. Right. You know, um, so, you know, so what's happening then right now, I'm assuming, you know, money's in the accounts, you know, you've got a lot of backers that you need to ship out to. You've got global shipping too. I'm I'm assuming that that's got to be some conversation. So what's kind of happening right now? Um, Um, A lot of things. Um, So we, we're working on the on the book now. So we we have um, until August to finish it and send it to printing because we're shipping in November. Um, so like a um, big chunk of the time is allocated towards like creating the book and like finishing it. Um, and then um, some initiatives to continue that like pre-order flow up mm-hmm. coming. So like we, we have the pre-orders open on our website for the book of culture. So we're treating it as, you know, like you can still pre-order this until November on yep. our website. We are debating uh, whether we are going to run an Indiegogo or not. Like we weren't planning mm-hmm. to, but many people suggested we would. But we told ourselves we want to make sure that like everything is ready to go. And if there's some time, we might consider it. But like now I'd say, I'd say 70% is product and fulfillment. 30% is continuing like um, uh, getting orders and like marketing the book of cultures. Right. Right. How, and how are you navigating the, um, the shipping? Um, and this is somebody who has killed a couple of companies in my past for, cause global <laughs> shipping is, whew, it is a night. It can be a nightmare it's, if it's not done correctly. So how, yeah. How are you guys addressing it's, that? It's funny because like whenever I tell people that shipping is one of our biggest problems, especially like, uh, people that work in software, I always like, how it sounds so simple. I'm like, uh, uh, try launching uh, a physical nope. product with like low margin. <laughs> and yeah. you'll understand what I'm saying. Um, as of right now, uh, the plan is to ship, uh, us books from the U S because that's what we've mm-hmm. also been doing. Um, very lucky because, uh, USPS has this concept of media mail where like if you're shipping books up to like 70 pounds, I think like it is a flat fee. So that's, that's very good for us. So if anyone's like yeah. shipping books, you should look into USPS Media Mail. Shipping our books in the US from the US. Um, for the rest of the world, we're shipping from Cyprus. Um, mm. And we got some mm. deals uh, from like the post office there. Hopefully it's going to work out. Uh, we, <laughs> we definitely hadn't factored in like 64 countries. We thought it would be more like, you know, like 90% US and then a few here and there. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but like, from from the conversations we've had up until now, it sounds like it's under control. <laughs> good, good, good. Let's awesome, see. awesome. <laughs> so, you know, for you and the and the company, what does this, you know, what does like the next five years look like? Like what are what's the goals? Is there more books like this? Is there more products? I mean, what 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 do you, what's that kind of in the vision plan? What's the roadmap look like? Um we the plan is definitely to like try to grow this into like an educational like company around the concept of diversity um there's definitely like the we're definitely thinking of creating like a second and third version of this book of like 30 more countries and whatnot mm-hmm. um we obviously will evaluate after all the books go out and like we continue seeing how like uh, the response is around it but that's definitely one viable solution we have a, we currently have another product line, which is like mini lingos, which is like bilingual playing cards that's doing very mm-hmm. well. So we're continuing with that line as well. We're like launching new languages as we go along for that. Um, but I think uh, the concept, uh, the idea is to like um, 
see how we can use all these bodies, the characters from each story and like um, creating something bigger out of them. So like more toys around it and whatnot. Um, let's see. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. It's really cool. Well, um, I've been asking people uh, like more like a lightning round questions at the end of these, just because you know we're all locked inside. Um, so if you're game for it, I can I can, uh, and this won't be anything Kickstarter related or product related. So uh, if you're ready to go, I can shoot these questions at you. Let's go. Okay, uh, what have you? What's the last thing you watched on uh, the old Netflix or HBO, Hulu? What's, <laughs> what's the shows you watch? Um, Sheets Creek. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. Hey, it's I'm waiting for one. the new season to drop. It's supposed to drop really soon, right? The season six, yep. I think, or the last um, one. Yeah. yeah, I started watching Shit's Creek, I think, three or four weeks ago. But it was a, it's yeah. been great during quarantine. Uh, last movie I saw was Little Women a couple of nights ago. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, is there any uh, books you're reading right now? Books? Yes. Um, I'm reading um, a book called Inside the Green Palace, which is about the Chelsea Hotel. Okay. In New York, and no like that. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. And, and was it like a like a biography of it, or is it a story about it? Or? I did an account uh, about like uh, the Chelsea Hotel, which like lots of like uh, singers and writers uh, oh, okay. lived there in the seventh. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, all right. Uh, now I know that you obviously you're listening to all my podcast uh, episodes. I, that I know, but is, are there any other podcasts that? You, <laughs> right. First thing I do is I hear some uh, some Jeff Wenzel podcast. No, is there any other podcast you, that you're listening to right now? Um, I usually like it's not a podcast. I usually listen to like the time the brief every morning. Mm. Um, okay, but that's it. Okay. All right. All right. Um, and are there any like uh, party games that you guys play while you're locked in? Uh, is there any apps that you're using to 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 get you through this time? Apps, um, uh, party games. Uh, I I really like board games. We with this week we've been playing with my roommates a, a game called Code Names. I don't okay. know if you know. No idea. No. Code no, Names no. and um, uh, Jackbox TV, like you know, Fibate and draw some or no is it draw some or something <laughs> um apps cactus it's like a it asks you a mindfulness question every day that you get to reflect oh. on that's a good one yeah mm-hmm. that's a nice one all right i think my last one is going to be around are there any like blogs or um websites you kind of go to in terms of helping your business entrepreneurship anything like that that you find like little motivational stuff or advice anything that you are kind of consistently reading um there's hmm, brain pickings has a good combination of like picture books and like other books um and like uh, on like children child development uh mm. things so it's like a blog uh, by maria popova which i really like it it's both business and non-business related yep. i'd say um I always like uh, try to stay up to date on like any articles around like picture books. So like Google alerts, we send mm-hmm. me like the articles every day. Um, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Where can, uh, how about, where can people like dive in, learn more, start seeing your, the world you're building? How, where, where should we send people? Uh, our website, worldwidebodies.com. Uh, so you can pre-order the book of cultures. You can uh, take a look at our other products as well. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you got a busy, busy schedule. You got all these products. You got to ship these books out. You got to finish the book, all that sort of stuff. Um, this was an amazing project and I was super glad that we could connect and chat. I know my listeners are going to just eat it up. Uh, what you, what you did here. This is a great, great campaign. And, uh, man, I look forward to seeing what you guys uh, create in the future. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very, very much. I really enjoyed chatting. Awesome. Great. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. All right. How about that conversation? I told you it was a good one, man. Uh, just re-listening to it just a minute ago, I mean, it just brought up a lot more emotions. And man, I hope you guys enjoyed it as well and, and, and showed what you can do to um, when you when you can pivot, when you've got uh, some will and, you know, you, you really have a great, great product. Um, so awesome, awesome Kickstarter campaign. And I was so glad that we, uh, I could connect and, uh, and put this interview out there. So um, again, song we're listening to is called When the Walls Fall Down. Um, and um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, again, like I said, tough week, um, tough weekend, a lot of stuff going on out there in the world. And um, I don't know, hope you guys are all being safe. Hope you guys are all doing well. Um, make sure you go to woodshed.agency, check out our stuff, blogs, review, content, this stuff, you know, a lot of information out there. And I hope you guys, again, like I said, hope you guys are doing well. And I will talk to you all later. Closely to all the lives that she's won. 
Leave the world, you know, behind a sand. Well, that's exactly what I've done.